Indiana Bible College is committed to training tomorrow's apostolic leaders today. This is the Indiana Bible College podcast. Expounding the text is designed to illuminate scripture. Each week, we'll observe a text of Scripture, interpret it, correlate it to other portions of Scripture, and then apply it to our lives. And that is both good exegesis and it enriches our understanding. If there is a portion of Scripture that you think you would be particularly inclined to hearing us talk about here on Expounding the Text... Simply email podcast at go to ibc.com. We would love to hear your requests. Our text today is Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. Reverend Jennifer Mass joins us again here on the podcast. Typically, we will hear her preaching in chapel, but this time we get to hear her on an expounding the text. Her insights into biblical Greek and the ability to tie the entire portion of scripture together that we're looking at here today is very enlightening. So let's get right to episode four of Expounding the Text with Reverend Jennifer Mast, Romans chapter 12, verses one and two. Welcome, Reverend Jennifer Mast, instructor extraordinaire, uh, registrar, resident biblical linguist at Indiana Bible College. I think this is the first time we've ever actually sat down and done an interview with you on the podcast. Of course, we've heard Wounded Faith and the Importance of Punctuation, a couple of episodes that you preached in uh, chapel, but we're glad to have you here on this little mini series called Expounding the Text. Welcome. Happy to be with you, Brother Henderson. So, what are we gonna What are we gonna talk about today? We're gonna take a little bit of a look at Romans twelve one and two, which is a fun passage. Okay, Romans twelve one and two. I'll go ahead and read that out for us. I beseech you, therefore, brethren by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. There it is. It's not an unfamiliar portion of scripture by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I I was a Bible quizzer and we quizzed Romans and this was one of my favorite because I didn't have to spend very much time memorizing and reviewing (laughs) because I had heard this for so many sermons and uh, so many points of, you know, don't be conformed to this world. So I'm looking forward to uh, diving in here. Now, what what jumps out at you uh, kind of right off the bat here? So there are a couple of things. I feel like a lot of times we've heard it preached and we've learned it in Sunday school, learned it in Bible quizzing. I learned it in Bible quizzing as well, not over Romans, yeah. because the doctrine, I think. Yeah. And so it's, it's very familiar to us, but I think we barely scratch the surface sometimes. It's very power-packed in terms of uh, 
what all is entailed in, in these scriptures. So you start off with, with this, this great um, exhortation or admonishment by Paul, and you have him saying, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, so you can kind of feel the passion that is mm-hmm. behind the text. And he says that he's beseeching us on the basis of God's mercy. Now, let me pause right there, because oftentimes we get this beseech, and that's like, I don't walk around telling my kids, I beseech you to do this. So what is what is implied there in the translation to what is now Old English? Uh, And I may be getting ahead, but I'm just you're fine. Um, it's an admonishment. It's he's imploring them. Mm-hmm. And um, in terms of the Greek, I would say that tied into that exhortation or or that desire to implore them is he's literally calling them to action. So okay. it's not just I'm passively asking you to do this, but I'm imploring you to do this. and I'm calling you to action saying that this is a necessity. Yeah. OK, so it's not it's not really like uh, so. I, while you're talking, like calling to action, I'll tell my boys, like, this is not a question. This is something you're doing. Absolutely. <laughs> it's a, you kind of get that flavor from it. Definitely. Okay. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, you're fine. So he, he tells he, he tells them that he's beseeching them. And the basis of, of this call to action is the mercies of God, which mm. the typical word that's translated as mercy in the Greek is Elias. This is not the same word here. Okay. This is a word that refers to the compassion of God. Mm-hmm. So you could almost tie it into, uh, I'm getting a, probably a little bit ahead of myself this time. You got a little ahead of, <laughs> ahead of me last time, but I'm, I'm jumping the, the gun this time. Um, he is tying this in, I think, to the Old Testament context of sacrifice. Yeah. And so in tying that into the Old Testament uh, context of sacrifice, he's using a word that is not extremely common. And he is suggesting that the basis for this call to action is the mercies of God. So the mercies of God isn't just referring to the concept of like God's grace and mercy, but it's referring to uh, his compassion that is driven by action. So it's not just an emotion. It's, it's actually the, the sum total of all of God's compassion, his love, his kindness, his compassion, his mercy, and the fact that all of his relationship with his people, Genesis to Revelation, even until, you know, our relationship with him today is driven by this concept of his compassion. He saw us, mm-hmm. he knew us, and he desired uh, to be in relationship with us. Yeah, and so, we certainly get the flavor of the Old Testament sacrifice in the very next little portion of the sentence where he says, yeah. a living sacrifice. Absolutely. So what is what is the when he's calling us to action, what should be the basis of that? We should be able to look at the fact that God sacrificed himself for us yeah, and that his loving kindness and his compassion drove him to the cross of Calvary. And that should cause us to desire to present ourselves mm. a living sacrifice. Yeah. Holy acceptable. I always want to insert an and there holy and acceptable unto God, but it's not, it's just holy acceptable unto God. And as you mentioned, the concept of sacrifice there in the Old Testament, of course, you had a dead sacrifice that was placed upon the altar. And I'm going to paraphrase it terribly, probably, but I saw one author that talked about the fact that God in the incarnation literally swept all the dead sacrifices off the altar Uh 
presented himself a living sacrifice so that, as Paul said, we can be crucified with Christ and we could enter in as a living sacrifice. So what does that mean? It means that it's not a passive thing. It means that we are literally offering up everything that we are. And when it says present your body as a living sacrifice, it doesn't, it's the word soma there. It's not just flesh, Uh but it's literally the, the, the total, some total of everything, everything that you are. Yeah, absolutely. Weaknesses, strengths, everything that we are, all of the conduct of our life has to be placed on the altar in order for us to be holy and acceptable unto God, which of course the the concept of putting ourselves on the altar is the very thing that's going to allow God to uh, place his holiness within us so that we reflect his holiness and we can be seen as holy and acceptable in, in his sight. Um, so we're invoking the sacrifice of the, uh, tabernacle. Um, so I've got a question here and this is a little bit dangerous, uh, yeah. because I've given this no forethought. <laughs> it's, it's an externalization of an internal thought that I have not processed at all, but I would like to bounce an idea off of you when you're reading uh, that you present your body as a living sacrifice and you're talking about the Old Testament sacrifice and how uh, that system built in place. So it seems like every year there is a sacrifice that happens and it rolls the sins of the children of Israel forward for a year, right? Right. But there are two sacrifices. One of them goes on the altar, and the one and another one, the the priest dips the blood and puts it on the right ear of the priest and on the I think it's the the great toe of the priest, which would be the big toe, um, and then also on the right ear of what we know to be a scapegoat. Mm-hmm. That term scapegoat and the 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 mercy that is indicated in that that this one gets to keep living does that have any this is this is the uh the dangerous part does that have any implications to Romans 12 where we present our bodies a living sacrifice what what are the wages of sin death Romans 6:23 right but the gift of God the scapegoat by the mercies of God. I don't know. I'm just thinking out loud. Um, but wow, what a concept to. That's very interesting. So Christ was the one that was literally placed on the altar. Bingo. And, and we uh, have to walk out into newness of life Yeah, through Christ. And you know, one thing that's oftentimes missed in this passage too, is that um, the context of the passage is he's writing to the church mm-hmm. in this act of putting ourselves as a living sacrifice on the altar is actually uh, he positions it as it being an act of worship. And it's probably the greatest act of worship that we could ever enter into. So it's not just about us sacrificing ourselves for some remote God out there, but it's literally an act of worship Yeah. in terms of us placing ourselves on the altar. So something that others might consider to be a waste, we consider to be not just our greatest sacrifice, but our greatest uh, way of entering into worship. Yeah, it's uh, not waste, it's worship. It's not wasted worship at all, at all. And when we talk about this concept of it being holy and acceptable unto God, uh, 
literally, again, he's talking to the church. So this is the perfect response of a changed heart to God. And it's the very thing that allows us to be transformed and to be changed. And when we see the the, the, the words reasonable service, um, some have said spiritual service. And I don't think that. Mm, really no, I don't think that that doesn't get to the, the heart of what Paul nope. is writing. Yeah, because literally in the Greek, it refers to. Um, like logic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it stands to reason as it is. Absolutely. It stands to reason that this is our act of worship to God. Mm-hmm. And it's based not just on a heart response, but it's based upon my recognition through rationale of all that God has done for me. And yeah. the fact that that requires me to respond in accordance. By the mercies of God. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And then moving on into uh, that second verse there, be not conformed to this world. Personally, I, I really love the Greek here. I think it's a, a lot of fun. Um, so we go from the previous verse, which is your reasonable service. So head to heart worship, mm-hmm. um, referring to, I would say, back to the Levitical priesthood. Because um, yeah. Hebrews 9, 6 uses the exact same word there for service in reference to the Levitical priesthood and the, the, the priest offering up the sacrifices and, and doing the institution, which is where we get that concept of worship from. Mm-hmm. And then goes on, first you have to present your, your bodies a living sacrifice. You have to be presented as holy and acceptable to God. And that's going to allow you not to be conformed to the world. And as I said a moment ago, I love the Greek here because the Greek here is uh, the basis of the word is where we get our word for schematics from. So when we talk about, yeah, interesting, right? Yeah. So the word schematics comes from this Greek word here, which means, of course, shaped or molded. It means the blueprint upon which something is based. So literally it's saying, don't pattern yourself off Mm -hmm. of the world. Now the world here, um, I don't disagree with the translation. I totally like the translation. But to give you an example, um, it actually is a, the Greek word for age. So I would say uh, some people might say, well, he was referring to the Roman church and not to pattern themselves after the specifics of the world in that time period. Uh Um, But but it's actually referring, I would say, to um, obviously the church versus the world, but the spirit of the age. So whatever. That's what I was fixing to the spiritual system. Yeah, the spiritual system of any time period. Yeah. So the, the church is never, the Christian, the, the saint is never to base that their lives, pattern themselves after, um, be shaped or molded. Uh, they're not to get their schematics for the way that they mm-hmm. conduct their lives from the, the spiritual systems of uh, the current time period or the current age. Yeah. But of course, include worldviews, philosophies, politics, entertainment. Basically, you bring up the category and you can stick a check mark right beside it. Yeah. And, and the conformed, so the being patterned after, uh, this, so don't be conformed after, don't, don't pattern yourselves. Uh, the same Greek word, I got a blue letter Bible app and it helps me understand, uh, cause I don't, I don't read Greek, but the blue letter Bible will give you a quick little reference. Um, first Peter one fourteen translates the same word conformed as like fashioning yourselves or, or like a pattern, literally fashioning yourselves after the spirit system of the age. And then we're hit with the transformation. Right. Which interestingly enough, again, we pull a English word from this. This is where we get metamorphosis from. So the, the little no butterfly. Yes. So oh, you man. 
in the Greek. So that's Say where again? you, um, metamorpho. Metamorpho. Yeah. So that's where you get the, the, the literal word transformation. And interestingly enough, it's actually translated as conformed in Romans eight twenty nine when it talks about us being conformed to the image of the sun. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Obviously, this cannot be a passive thing. We have to be absolutely changed and absolutely transformed. And then the question is, is how does the transformation take place? And the transformation is going to take place, as Scripture tells us here, by the renewing of our mind, which is an interesting concept as well. It means that our external nature is going to be completely changed by what happens internally. Mm-hmm. Um, we, have to, we have to reflect him in, in conformity to the things of this world is going to make us a slave, but transformation based upon allowing God to uh, renew our mind. Oftentimes we think of renewal and we think of something new, but renewal actually is taking it back to what it should have been to begin with. So it's, it's renewing it to what it's, it's state should have been had we been one in Christ at birth and not been separated by sin. So in that transformation and in the renewing of our mind, it frees us and brings liberation in essence. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so you could, of course, tie that in with like Ephesians 4, uh, 17 through 24, where it's talking about the Gentiles who walked after the vanity of their mind and their their understanding was darkened and they were walking in ignorance. But when we've learned of Christ and been taught by him and recognized that the truth is in Jesus, we are able to put off the former conversation, which conversation, of course, is not just what, what we're doing here today, sure. but it's referring to the complete conduct of one's life, the output mm-hmm. of one's life and one's existence. So it allows us to put on the new man, which is created after God in righteousness and true holiness. So again, how how is that sacrifice holy and acceptable? Well, it's wholly acceptable when we offer it up yeah. to him, all that we are, when we, uh, when we choose and decide that we're not going to allow ourselves to be patterned after the world. And then we allow that Holy Spirit to transform us, to teach us, to lead us and guide us into all truth and to allow us to put on the new man. Um, which is an interesting concept as well. The Greek here would denote a complete change just as a metamorphosis from a caterpillar to a butterfly is a complete change in yeah. appearance in mm-hmm. in uh, function. Function, absolutely. Yeah. So it's not just about walking differently. When your mind is changed, your actions are going to follow suit. Yeah. So Colossians three, I actually have it written down in our in our uh, or in my little pre uh reading i i said colossians 3 1 2 and 10 and 11 if you've been risen with christ seek those things which are above uh where christ said set your affection on things above not of earth which is renewing of your mind um and then you actually used this phrase just a few seconds ago and have put on the new man which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him mm-hmm. so renewal if- back to and of course, that Colossians 3 passage also implores you to mortify therefore your members. Yeah. Which brings us back to that concept of a living sacrifice and the, the death to self. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. Yeah, yeah. Which is a beautiful thing. And then, then the next portion there, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, again, um, the concept of proof has, has shifted a bit from the KJV version or the, the old English version mm-hmm. it means to discern or test. Um, what are, so the question is, then is what are we proving? What are we testing? What are we trying to discern? And that is the fact that we are going to understand the blueprint in essence for daily living. We're going to yeah, realize how to live morally. 
yeah, the scheme, the schematic. So yeah. instead of patterning ourselves after the wor- world through the transformation that c- comes through the Holy Spirit and through the sacrifice of ourselves on the altar, it's going to allow for us to be patterned and get our schematics from the very one who is the greatest example. Yeah. You know, James said, look into the perfect law of liberty. And what is that perfect law of liberty? Because you don't find that anywhere in scripture. You find the law, which is oppressive in a sense in the Old Testament, not able to grant salvation. Certainly a taskmaster. Uh, certainly a taskmaster. <laughs> taskmaster. It drew attention to sin, but didn't provide the solution. So what is that perfect law of liberty? That perfect law of liberty would be uh, Christ Jesus. So we have to look to him as our example, and then that becomes our pattern. Uh, and then, of course, when we talk about perfect will of God, uh, oftentimes we think of like finding the right spouse. We think of of landing the right job. We think of entering into the perfect position in ministry. Uh, and that really is not what Paul is talking about there. Um, the concept of perfect when it comes to the Greek has to do with a completed or consummate form, a mature mm-hmm. form. So it's going to allow us to find our point of completion and our point of um, of maturity in Him. Wow! So that's a, that's that's the real application of this passage is to to find that I kind of got the the word uh, centered when you started talking about like complete and maturity brought to fruition you know, kind of like a, a centeredness of who you are in Christ is what you're proving through this transformed, renewed mind by the mercy of God. Absolutely. It seems like people focus on one aspect of this passage and tend to diminish the others. Uh-huh. They tend to use one aspect, for instance, yeah, yeah. isn't your body's a living sacrifice? Well, sacrifice doesn't really sound that grand. Mm-hmm. In the whole scheme of things, but 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 if you put all portions of the passage together, you see that only through the sacrifice of self are you going to to be able to become what God desires for you to become, and are you able to find the liberation that comes in Christ Jesus? So it's a beautiful completion. You present yourselves, but God, again, according to His mercies, does so much more than we could ever do. Yeah, you know, he went to the cross of Calvary for us, but then when we present ourselves, He he provides for transformation. He takes his holiness and allows it to begin working in us and working through us and working out of us so that we can be someone that can be used by him. He begins to shape us and mold us and bring us to a point of spiritual maturity. So again, we're doing just such a small portion yeah. of the work and he's, yeah. he's, he's driven by his compassion for us Yeah, and uh, doing the rest of the work on our behalf. Man, that's awesome. You have, you have any other nuggets for us today? Um, I think that pretty well covers the passage unless there's something else that you had. No, I was, I, I, no, I don't have any questions. I was actually, uh, we've done a couple of these expounding the text episodes here. I think this is number four in total sum. And I, I wanted to end, we're nearing the, the minute marker of our goal. And I wanted to end a little bit differently. Okay. I wanted to end in just a prayer. Is that cool with you? Is that okay if we pray? Yeah. (laughs) That's kind of a silly question. (laughs) All right. Well, if you're driving and listening to the podcast, I mean, just listen to us and join along, I guess. But Lord, we thank you so much 
that by your mercies, you have enabled us to do this, that you have given us such a rich time to look at what it means to not be conformed, but to be transformed and to be centered in who you are. And it's not by our strength. It's not by our intellect or by our uh, understanding, but it's by your mercy, God. And we're so thankful for that mercy and for that grace. I pray that you would go with us all the rest of the day, that you would keep us, protect us, give an opportunity to share this glorious truth with someone else. In Jesus' name, amen. Sister Mass, thank you so much for spending some time looking at the scripture with us. Thank you for the opportunity. If you love what you're hearing here on Expounding the Text, do us a favor, share it on social media. Send it to your friends in text messages, emails, however you are communicating. Tell people about this new mini-series that we're doing here on the Indiana Bible College podcast. And we enjoy all types of feedback, even when we cannot see or hear the feedback that you're providing. For example, if you're one of the 167 people to date who have given this podcast a five-star rating in the podcast app, we enjoy that. If you would like to be number 168, well, we would enjoy that too. So you can certainly share this podcast on social media or give us some other type of feedback by rating and reviewing in your podcast consumption application of choice. Until next time, God's blessings.